0: This episode is sponsored by Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and I answer and I'm answering with my fearless yoga Teacher, physical therapist, great buddy, Kristen Williams. Hey, guys. It's so fun to have you uh, on here doing this with me. All right, so let's, let's dive right in. Taos Yoga asks, any tips for hero pose? My knee and ankle tightness also make it hard to kick heel to butt. I will start off with that. I am not a fan of hero pose in the way that it's practiced because a lot of times the way hero pose, if you're not familiar with this, if you're not a yogi, it's that you would sit uh like sit your butt on your heels, but then you're moving your legs away so that your butt is trying to come to the ground and your legs are a- on side of you, outside of you. It's it's similar to how if you watch a toddler sit. They'll sit with their butt down and their knees bent and their feet, feet are on either side of the butt. And this has been a practice in yoga. And you could say, hey, this is great triple flexion. You're flexing in your hip, knee, and ankle. Well, you're not flexing in your ankle. You're getting plantar flexion in your ankle. The top of the foot is getting stretched. The problem is a lot of people can't um, get their pelvis neutral so that they're truly flexing in the hip. And then that will travel down into the knee. So the knee is usually the victim in hero pose. A lot of people will complain about it. Then they keep practicing it and struggling with it. It's also passive in a lot of ways because you're sitting and even if you're really controlling your core, you're still putting that strain on your knee joints. So I have other preferences for opening up your hip flexion and knee flexion and different one for opening up the ankle. So I would say uh, the tip is probably not to practice that, but to do other things that are more active. Uh, with your feet and weight-bearing, like how we do a happy squat in our class. We are in a down dog and you walk your hands back towards your feet and really bend deep into your hip joint and your knee with your ankle and dorsiflexion, the heel down. That is much preferable to me because it's active, you're weight-bearing, and you can really get your proper hip flexion so that if you know you're not getting it, you just stay up higher. If you're on the ground and you're not getting it, again, it's going to be pushed into the knee. So that's what I have to say. What would you like to say about it?
1: Yeah, this is one that just makes my skin crawl when I see it for sure. Um, Because it's not only the hip flexion, it's that internal rotation that you have to get at the hip to get the feet out. People don't have that much. I mean, that flexion and internal rotation is really an impinging position of the hip joint. So where are they going to get it? Just like you said, at the knee. That knee is going to get a valgus or a a stretch of the medial side in order to get the feet out. And it's 100% passive. You've got the weight of your trunk basically forcing the hip and knee into internal rotation, um, which is just not what we should be practicing. Certainly not what we preach with lit yoga. Um, I I would 100% 1,000% back you in saying there is no reason to be doing this as an adult. As a child, we do it because we're loose. That's the benefit of being a kid. You're growing. Everything is loose. The bones haven't fully developed. Uh, That's why when children fall, they don't break stuff. And when adults fall, they do. (laughs) So we aren't meant to bend at an older age like that. So don't do it. Save yourself. Do happy squat,
0: period. I agree. And, and the thing is too, it's always like, what's the point? You know, what, what is it? Someone who was asking me in an interview the other day, like about deep, deep backbends. And the question was, I used to be able to do deeper backbends and then I've been doing more strength training and I can't do as deep of a backbend. Uh, it, should I work on both? And my, my, my question was what, what is the purpose? You know, if the purpose is like checking off the list, like I can do hero pose, I can do, you know, scorpion, then not that there's anything wrong with it, but what is the carryover into your daily life? Like, how is that going to impact how you move? If it's just a checklist, then I I doubt that it necessarily will have that kind of functional carryover. And we as physical therapists cannot... We just can't look at things without thinking about the functional carryover of how it's going to impact us in daily life because that's how we're spending most of our time, not on the mat, practicing hero, practicing deep backbends, but what is it on the mat that can help us move better in our lives? And that kind of static position, like you said, with all of those elements, there's really no good functional carryover you could even argue. so that's our opinion. So I wouldn't try it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't practice on it. And when people are doing it in class, like if a teacher is leading it, you just find a different way, like sit on a block with your knees without that internal rotation or just refuse to do it because there's, you know, you get in a class setting. I know it's not quite the same now with the pandemic and you just are thinking, I need to try and do this with this teacher's telling me and what everybody else is trying to do. And it kind of creates this uh, not a good educational background because all you're doing is is just uh, imitating what other people are doing and not listening to what your body is capable of.
1: Well, and when we talk about passive stretching like that, let me ask you this. How many times would you hang your wet yoga pants on a hook? Never, because you don't want to get that weird looking stretched out bubble <laughs> that comes. Like every time my husband puts my yoga pants on a hook, I'm like, ah, because you got that. Well, that's what you're doing to your ligaments. You're hanging on your ligaments and they stretch. They're passive structures. It's a weight hanging on them. So you don't want to mess up your yoga pants. You don't want to mess up your ligaments. So that's that's my message there.
0: I I yes, the ligament. We wouldn't even mention the the lateral ligaments of the knee and how that's and, and medial, medial and lateral and everything. Um primarily your knee is a hinge joint, it has some ro- ro- rotation components, but Those ligaments are there, uh, as law enforcers to make sure that you're not going beyond and then purposely with your passive weight, like you said, stretching them. Nope. Don't want to do that. All right. Moving on to the next question, yoga BYB. Can you explain how hyperextension in the hips happens and how it may be different than an anterior pelvic tilt? All right. You want to start with that one?
1: Sure. Um, you know, hyperextension of the hip is coming from where the femur articulates with the pelvis. And so when you're hyperextending in the hip, you're, you're leaning more into the anterior capsule, if you will, so that the front side of the hip, whereas with an anterior tilt, it's actually kind of the opposite where the hinge point is the articulation between your pelvis and the base of your lumbar spine. So you're actually shortening usually in the front of the hip and uh, shortening, meaning the femur and the pelvis are flexing and the low back is where the hinge is coming from in an anterior tilt. So it's just two, in my opinion, it's two separate joint articulations. They, they certainly impact one another, but when you're hyperextending in the hips, you're putting it more into the front of the hip when you're anteriorly tilting in the pelvis you're putting it more into the lower back
0: yeah absolutely and neither one are great right um, both of them are not neutral which is again your starting place and both will have uh, will will tend to be accompanied by the high, like the knees locking back so it can, they can look similar but you have to really look like kb's talking about kb stands for kristen barnett that's what we I call her it's the the entire pelvis is moving forward with hyperextension. It kind of just looks like you're sagging into your hips. And with the anterior tilt, it's more like your butt is sticking up and back, shortening the low back. So that's where you have to really just like, look at what the pelvis is doing. Is it tilting or is it just shifting forward? If it's shifting forward, you're still hanging on those. You are hyperextending. You're pushing the femoral head forward. And what is it hitting? It's hitting these strong iliofemoral ligaments, but we don't want to just lean into them day after day after day. Because again, like we were just talking about with ligaments, they're there to help us uh, experience or, or to control our in-range of motion. And if we're leaning into them, over time, they'll get kind of stretched out. And then that is a really passive position to be in, people that are hyperextended in the hips. They also are probably like an anterior tilted pelvis, not able to recruit their glutes in the same way because they're not in neutral. And yeah, so they're, there's, they are different, but they, they have, and they have different impacts, but neither one is great to, you know, be in a full time. That's why you have to really work on your posture and not be hinging, you know, from the low back or pressing forward as you would in hyperextended hips.
1: And I think where we see them in yoga it together the most is in that low lunge, lunge of any type, where you see that coupling. Like when I was talking about it, I was talking about it in a upright, like Tadasana. But man, when people go into lunge, low lunge, you see that du- you're doubling up. You're not only anteriorly tilting in the pelvis, a lot of the times you're also extending in the hip and extending in the low back. So it's kind of like the, the triple threat.
0: Yeah, right. And that what she's referring to is like if you were in a low lunge, say with your left foot in front and your right knee on the floor, a lot of the ways yoga people have been teaching it is that you just go forward as much as you can into that front left knee. Well, a lot of people are going to have restrictions in the front of their hip, even if they've been hyperextending there, they could still you know, not have true, They might their, their hip flexors might not really be as open. And they're just sinking into it and then additionally tipping. So the pelvis is tipping forward and down. And that we see a lot. And it's just, and it's really passive. And then you see people coming out of that and you know how passive it is because they can't just pull out of it. It's a, like a really wonky transition out because they've been kind of stuck in this passive way. Just in general, we want to avoid these passive ways of getting into a pose and getting out of a pose and being in a pose. Even if you're standing, you need to attempt to have some active hold in your core, in your legs. It's not like you're working a lot, but there's just a little bit of readiness. It's called resting muscle tone. And so that resting muscle tone is really diminished when you are in a passive like hang. And so, yes, pay attention to it in standing and definitely pay attention into those lunges. Good. All right, so another person wants to ask, uh, Mrs. D. Gavin, what do I do about chronic SI joint pain? Well, We've discussed this before, but this can never be discussed too much because a lot of people either have it or identify with having pain around this sacroiliac joint, and that is the area where the low back meets up with the pelvis. And it is that place where you can hit the lumbosacral junction is where you can really hinge in that anterior tilted position. So the first thing I would say for chronic SI joint pain is you, you have to pay attention to your posture and posture is whether you're sitting or standing, it's it's how you in, are inhabiting your body. What is the alignment? What, are, what is, are the mechanics? And you really have to get that pelvis neutral because most likely if you're having chronic SI joint pain you are tipping in the pelvis and and shortening the low back and then compressing that, that area around the sacrum where the sacrum meets the ilium of the pelvis. So the first thing I would do is really go and take our posture series on Lit Daily. I mean, we have 20 days and it'll be available on there after we're in it right now. But at, when this goes live, it will no longer be there for free, but it will be there for our subscribers. It's 20 days to help you with your posture. And if you don't think posture matters, you know, talk to somebody like you with cr- chronic SI joint pain. This is a postural issue that then becomes a movement and mechanical issue because your starting place is suboptimal. And so probably your glutes aren't working. Your deep core muscles are not working as well. You could be off-centered all the way up into your neck. So really work on posture.
1: And KB, what would you like to say about that? I just want to talk about the SI joint. Uh, when, we, when you visualize, it, I think that helps. Visualize a tongue and groove joint like you would have uh, on a floor, like a floor joint. And it is, it is the strongest joint in your body as far as it is so tied down with ligaments. It's really not supposed to move much. So when you start having SI joint dysfunction, you might ask yourself, why in the world am I trying to move from there? And it points back to what Laura just said. You're probably trying to move from there because you're either moving suboptimally somewhere else, or you don't have motion somewhere else. What I see in the clinic, a ton is lack of hip mobility. So if you can't move in the hip joint, What is the next very closest thing is your SI joint. Your hip articulates with the ilium, which is part of the sacroiliac joint. So if you aren't moving there, now you're moving in this tongue and groove joint and stretching those ligaments that just absolutely don't want to stretch. They are stability ligaments. Same thing is true when you're weak in the core. Like you said, Laura, if you have poor posture, if you're weak in your core and not taking the load there, You're putting it once again into a passive structure. The SI joint is supposed to be passive stability, not a mobile joint. So, that is usually where I look. If people have chronic SI pain, I am going right to the core and right to the hip. And nine times out of 10, teaching people to move better, improving strength, and improving motor plan, motor mapping, motor uh, movement patterns. 100% 100% of the time gets rid of it for people who are have issues there. So I would really take a close look at yourself, particularly if it's unilateral, only on one side. What are my asymmetries? If it's bilateral, which I do see bilateral, really look, look at your hip, look at your core. I bet if you do that, if you treat that, that pain will all but resolve completely, if not completely.
0: I really agree. And I will add Um, Since it does seem like you are female, um, because it was Mrs., uh, females are going to be a little bit more impacted with our hormones because the hormones, especially in pregnancy, but also around your period, do influence the laxity of your ligaments. We want, like KB was saying, we want those ligaments to be holding strong, especially in this area. Your SI joint is trans- forming and moving energy from your legs up through the axis of your spine it is it is actually known as a shock absorbing area and that you that's why you want those ligaments to be really held well there and there are times like around your period when you're pregnant you will feel more uh movement there maybe not movement but just sometimes you'll get tender there because the ligaments have a little bit more pliability to them because of the hormones. So that makes it even more important to strengthen your core and your glutes. I've seen pregnant women who virtually experienced nothing back there, even though there's tons of changes happening because of the the baby growing in the uterus, but they have been so prepared with strong glutes Especially, even when their abdominal wall is getting stretched, they still have that little bit of tension left over from when they weren't pregnant. And it, so if you have didn't have a really good practice before you were pregnant and you've had children, you need to get that pelvis organized. You absolutely have so think less about big ranges of motion and more about solid position of the pelvis and movement in the hip joint, not in the pelvis. It is, of course, the pelvis is made to move. We want it to move. There's, we don't want to lock down pelvis. But you, you have to really learn not only from a visual, but from a brain mapping, like she was referring, perspective of how to move in your hip versus moving in the pelvis because that's the, how, how you've been doing it. So go to an expert, look at our stuff on Lit Daily. We address this every single time. Our reset is is geared to resetting your pelvis, to resetting and establishing neutral, to getting your core activated and ready for movement. So check that out, of course.
1: Um, the pubic symphysis is, is another area. It completes like that ring of the pelvis. So people who have, have SI joint a lot of times have pubic symphysis issues also. And I just, that popped into my brain because 100% first day of my period, I feel like mine's going to rip apart. Like it's pain like that. Like it wants to pull apart. And so that's where the core and your practice and getting on your mat and doing that reset, getting your glutes is like hugely important when you are super uh, hypermobile because of hormones at that time.
0: Yeah. And I've noticed that uh, that's why, again, the block between the legs is so great, especially in bridge pose, because the adductors, those inner thighs come up and they insert on the pubic bone on either side. And then the pubic symphysis is the fibrocartilage in between. And sometimes just lightly gripping the block and activating those adductors, the inner thighs just realigns my pubic bone, which then resets like has a like a a wraparound effect into the SI joint. So that's I'm so glad you brought that up because that's really important, too. If your pubic bone is a kind of a little shifted, this isn't these are micro shifts, but, you know, a little bit shifted working the adductors to help pull it back into its uh, alignment helps has helped me and, and others tremendously well these were great questions for today come back and check out uh, more next week you can always leave questions for me at lara at lityoga.com or find either one of us on instagram and ask us questions there i'm laura.hyman and kb is kb williams 99 kb williams 99 All right, as always, it's lovely to talk with you, my friend. Of course, as always. And as always, we are both pulling for you.